0: Book of Psalms, chapter 18 and verse number 30. The Word of the Lord says, As for God, His way is perfect. The Word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. And I want to preach to you on this very simple subject. Tried, tested, and trusted. Tried, tested, and trusted. Can we say that together? Tried, tested and trusted. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence and for your spirit. Jesus, I'm asking you that you would use me now to speak as the oracles of the Lord and to bless your people. They are a wonderful people and I pray that you would use me now and allow the word of faith and the gift of faith to flow through me. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give me a sensitivity to your spirit and allow me to be led of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone shout a healthy amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand, give them a great big God bless you, and you may be seated. Michael Jared Tyson, known to the world as Iron Mike Tyson, was born in Brownsville, Brooklyn, New York on June 30th, 1966. Without question, Tyson experienced an extremely troubled childhood. According to Tyson, he grew up in a neighborhood where it was kill or be killed. By the age of 13, Tyson had already been arrested 38 times and was destined for a life in prison. To make matters worse, by the age of 16, Tyson lost his mother, who at the time had already been left by Tyson's biological father, leaving the troubled teen in an even more precarious position. Fortunately for Tyson, prior to his mother's passing, she signed over custody of Tyson to a boxing manager and trainer by the name of Cus D'Amato. D'Amato not only became Tyson's legal guardian, he became Tyson's surrogate father. D'Amato spent the next several years fully immersing and indoctrinating Tyson in the art and sport of boxing. Tyson spent every waking moment of his youth inside of the ring. By age 20, Tyson became the youngest ever undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. He won his first 19 professional fights by knockout. In 12 of those fights, Tyson knocked out his opponents in the first round and in many in the first seconds of the first round. Anybody familiar with Mike Tyson knows that he was and is nothing short of a controversial figure, both inside and outside of the ring. And while commentators argue as to how great of a heavyweight Mike Tyson really was, what they don't argue about is whether or not Tyson was the most notoriously intimidating boxer to ever live. Tyson understood the stuff that fighting men were made of. Tyson knew that no matter how tough a man is, there is no escaping the mental burden of being eye to eye with someone who's just as tough as you, if not tougher, and who's committed to knocking you out. Tyson was not just gifted when it came to boxing, He was gifted at deciphering the inner workings of some of the world's toughest and fiercest men. Some time ago, I came across a quote from Mike Tyson, which I initially found funny, if not hysterical. But after chuckling for a few moments, I realized that it held a very sobering and startling grain of truth. Tyson said this, Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. While I'm certain that there are thousands of more sophisticated ways to state this simple truth, I think Tyson does a good job at getting to the heart of the matter. Because everyone thinks they have a plan until something they never planned for unfolds right before their eyes. Everybody's got a plan until life punches them right in the mouth. Everybody got a plan until something unexpected happens. And the truth about life is that it's full of surprises. And if we're not careful, a surprise can turn into a setback. And a setback can turn into a sliding back. And a sliding back can turn into a no coming back. And that's why it's important that all of us have a plan. Because we know that a plan is better than no plan. And the fact that a plan can unravel is no excuse for not having a plan. In fact, Proverbs 14 and 15 says, a prudent man looks well to his goings. Or how about the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 14, where he says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation, and is not able to finish all who see it begin to mock him saying this man began to build and was not able to finish I want to share with you this evening a plan that never fails no matter how unexpected the event no matter how unforeseen the punch in the mouth it's a plan that is full and fail proof this simple this simple and essential plan for life can be found in the book of Proverbs the third chapter and the fifth verse and it goes like this trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he And he shall direct thy paths When we put our trust in Jesus Everything is going to work out When we put our trust in Jesus Everything's going to be just fine I came to preach to somebody That just got punched in the mouth uh, That just got slapped in the head by life uh, And you came to camp meeting Not knowing what to do Well God sent this chubby preacher To remind you to trust in the Lord It might be simple, but it still works. It might be simple, but it's a plan that never fails. You can't go wrong, trusting in God. I don't care what the doctor said, trust in God. I don't care what the judge said, trust in God. I don't care what your past says, trust in God. I don't care what the bank says, trust in Come on, help me appreciate it. Somebody shall trust. When we trust in God, we will arise out of anxiety. We'll move away from fear. In order to practice trust, however, it means that we will have to abandon the notion that we are the sole arbiters of our own fortunes and futures. Our lives are either in God's hands or they're in our hands, but they can't be in both. He is either Lord of all or He is not Lord at all. Oh, come on. I know nobody was probably expecting a simple message like this, but sometimes when life gets complicated, you got to hit the reset button and go back to fundamentals. You got to go back to Christianity 101 and remember trust in God with all your heart lean not unto your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path I don't know about you but I don't think I'm alone when I say I want the directed path I want the course that God orders in my oh come on clap your hands there's something wonderful happening right now somebody's gonna get healed i'm telling somebody's gonna get healed in their body right now for about five more seconds come on just clap there's a faith there's a faith yeah. i feel trust Come on, it feels good right now. It feels good. I feel healing. I feel deliverance. I feel fear leaving the building. As far as the Bible is concerned, there's only one way. To trust in the Lord. And that's with all of your heart. Not some of your heart. Not half of your heart. But with all of your heart. And if you trust God with all of your heart, there's no trust left over for anything else. When you trust God with all of your heart, there's no trust left over for trusting in money. There's no trust left over... There's no trust left over for trusting in your schemes and your scams and your plans. When all your trust is in Jesus, you ain't got time to trust in nobody and in nothing else. When all your trust is in Jesus, you look unto him. Let me, just, let me just clarify a few points here very quickly. When I say that we put all our trust in God, that does not mean that we don't utilize the tools that God has given us. What it does mean is that we do not allow those tools to deceive us into thinking that they can do what God can do. You, you know, you got to be careful with tools. Even Marshall McLuhan, the, the Canadian philosopher once time, he said, he said, we shape our tools and then our tools shape us. You know, the Bible, the Bible very early on warns us about tools. As early as Genesis, it talks to us about a man named Cain. In Hebrew, Cain is Cain, Cain. And Cain literally means metalsmith. Cain was a metalsmith. That's, you can't be a tiller of the ground if you don't got some metal tools. We always imagine Cain hitting Abel with some rock or a stick. That man hit Abel with a metal utensil. In fact, it would be Cain's descendants, like Cain, uh, Cain Tubal, who would later on have children that all made uh, tools of metal. And God had such a problem with these tools and such a problem with the tool makers that later on, when they begin to erect the tabernacle and the altars, he said, when you make altars, you won't let any tools touch those altars. You got to be careful what you do with your tools. And your tools never replace the altar. And if you're not... If you're not careful with your tools, you'll use your tools to kill your brother. if you're not careful with your tools you begin to use them to murder rather than to build you'll use them to destroy rather than to edify and worst of all if you're not careful with your tools you'll let them replace your trust in Jesus. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how rich you are I don't care how gifted you are I don't care how talented you are there is nothing that takes the place of a touch of God there is nothing that takes the place of the anointing. There there's nothing that takes. Prayer can open more doors than you can God. Oh come on Woo. Proverbs 21:31 Old Solomon says, the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. Let's just be clear about something. There will be a day of battle. And let's be clear about something else. I personally believe that people who prepare the horse are gonna have more victory than those who don't. You better have your horse ready. You better know how to balance your checkbook. You better know how to show up to your job on time. You better know how to get your stuff together. Amen, because there's coming a day of battle. And when the day of battle comes, you don't want to unravel over things that you should have conquered a long time ago. You've got to be prepared against the day of battle. But let me just say this. Victory doesn't depend on the horse. Victory depends on the Lord. We trust in God. It was Solomon's dad that told us, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of our God. Oh, come on. Ernest Hemingway, Ernest Hemingway once said, the best way to find out if you can trust anybody is to trust them. (laughs) (laughs) The best way to find out if you can trust anybody is to trust them. You'll never know whether you trust God or not until you trust God. Yeah, I know that's deep. But that's good. I, I don't have time to go into the Greek, but I will go into the Hebrew about this. In Hebrew, there are two words, imuna and bitachon. imuna bit, ima, ima, means faith, bitachon means trust. And a lot of times, these two words get mixed up in our head. A lot of times we think that if somebody has faith in God, they trust in God. But oddly enough, that is not the case. You can actually have faith in God and not trust in God. (laughs) Faith is a belief in, but not necessarily a belief that. Some believe in the existence of God, but they don't trust that God knows what's best for their existence. I know people that 100% believe that God exists, but they're not going to let him dabble with their existence. They don't trust God, they have faith in God, they have beliefs about God, but they're not going to let God get into their life. I want you to stop and consider Job's wife, for example. Job is going through the trial of his life. And she comes to him after everything has fallen apart, and she says, curse God and die. By this statement, she is confessing that she believes in God, but she obviously doesn't believe that God will deliver her husband. Oh, she believes that he's real. Oh, she, you know, real quick. It would have taken Job just as much effort, just as many vocal cords, just as much time, and just as much breath to bless God and live than it would have taken him to curse God and die. But she went on the negative, and she said, let's just end this thing. Let's just curse God and die, because we all know he's not going to deliver you. But Job looked back at her, and he said, woman, I don't just believe in God. I believe that God. And then he says to her, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, and he will also be my salvation. Oh, come on, let your trust in the Lord begin to rise right now. Oh, come on, let's magnify Jesus here. I'm almost done preaching. Ta la la bo la 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 Oh come on come on He ta la la bo shanda la 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 de bo sanda He ta la 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 bo sanda la la di gandana la la He ta la 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 Come on home missionary it's time to believe that God will Come on come on it's time to believe that God will come on evangelist it's time to believe that God will come on young person it's time to believe that God will come on parents it's time to believe that God will come on elderly come on saints it's time to believe that God will Oh let's just praise God for about ten more seconds here. Oh shandala, it... Oh come on, I feel something wonderful taking place in our minds, in our hearts. He I don't want to just believe in. I want to believe that. Let me just clarify something. Job wasn't even believing God for a fairytale ending. He was just believing that whatever happened was right. <laughs> However, it all went down. In fact, right before it all went down. God speaks to Job one last time and he begins to run down a list of undomesticated animals and he begins to ask Job who created these animals, who created the wild goat, who created this and who all of them were animals that would never serve any kind of pet purpose they were animals that could not be domesticated by man and by doing so God is telling Job there's things out of your control but they're not out of my control and just because your world is spinning doesn't mean I've lost sight of you and just because your Our world is flipped upside down, doesn't mean... (laughs) We gotta make that transition from belief in to belief that. we got to make that transition from having beliefs about God to believing in God. I'll never forget when, uh, when I first came to the Lord, I was, I was praying just a few minutes before I came up to the platform. And the Lord reminded me of this, this certain situation when I first came to God. There was a lady in our church. My wife is here, my wife has met her. But there was a lady in our church, her name was Kathy. Kathy was a drug addict. Uh, Kathy rode around on the back of Harley motorcycles. She was hooked on methamphetamine. She was, Kathy was a mess. Kathy had two sons. One of her sons won me to God. Uh, He was was really into rap music and the other son was really into heavy metal music and it it was just, it was a mess. The whole family was hooked on dope. And uh, God saved Kathy miraculously, uh, her son and myself came to God and we begin to witness to Kathy and uh, Kathy was suicidal and depressed. And I mean, life was just was just waving all kinds of red flags, but she got saved and uh, Kathy became a prayer warrior. Kathy began to, uh, she, she became the church secretary. She was faithful. She gave, she gave all her heart to God. She trusted in God. God had saved her life. God had saved her son. Well, Kathy's other son, who was this like punk rocker, heavy metal guy, uh, he had long hair. He was just, he was bad. Uh, uh, He came to church and he got saved. And I'll never forget the service, Brother Spell, when he came back to church with all of his band. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, We went to such a little church, we didn't know any better. We just believed that God could save them. Didn't nobody show us any different. And so week after week, one band member after the other started getting the Holy Ghost and they'd come back with their ponytails cut and they started wearing cotton instead of leather and it just, things got really good. uh, Praise God. But, uh, (laughs) Josh Josh got really plugged into church Kathy's son Josh and um, he did good for a while but then he had a setback and then he had a sliding back and uh, Josh went on a cruise to Mexico and right before he got on the boat he met a young girl. They chit-chatted for a few minutes. wasn't a big deal. And they got on the cruise ship. When they got on the cruise ship, uh, people started partying and doing all kinds of drugs and dope. And Josh began to do this drug called GHB. And he overdosed. And Josh died. He died on the boat. He was totally stiff. Uh, he was already turning purple. I mean, he was a bad thing. He was... He was dead, they were trying to resuscitate him. There was no hope. At that very same moment, Kathy was prompted by God in the middle of the night and she just kept hearing Mexico, Mexico, Mexico. And she began to, she just couldn't, she just couldn't shake it and she tried to go back to sleep and she just kept hearing Mexico, Mexico. And so she finally got up and she started praying. And when she started praying, all of a sudden she thought, my son Josh, he's on a cruise in Mexico and I and she just kept praying and praying and pressing and petitioning God and all of a sudden God just laid a heavy burden on her heart and she began to go into intercessory prayer oh Jesus she began to go into intercessory prayer As Josh was laying in the middle of that cruise ship, dead, the girl he had chit-chatted with just a few hours prior, amen, came over to see what all the commotion was about. She was just as drunk as everybody else. She was just as high as everybody else. But when she got near Josh, she began to shake and she began to tremble and all of a sudden she began to speak in other tongues and she went up to Josh and she laid her hands on his head and she said, in the name of Jesus, and I promise you, Josh rose from the dead. Hold on, I'm not done. That girl was a backslid apostolic. She had got the Holy Ghost as a teenager in church preaching to somebody right now it's time for you to go from believing in God to believing that God I don't know who I'm preaching to right now maybe you surrendered maybe you threw up the white flag a long time ago but God sent this picture to tell you pick it back up, wave it in the devil's face and let him know I mean war and this flag will never touch the ground again and I'll pray you out of my son's life and I'll pray you out of my daughter's life and I'll pray you out of my city and I'll pray you out of my youth group and I'll pray you out of my church and I'll pray you out of my health and I'll pray you out of my money and I'll pray you out of my husband and I'll pray you out Come on, I feel a spirit of intercessory I feel the holy ghost i believe if you pray right now for your backslid family members something will go from here to there something will break chains here Trust in Jesus! Trust in Jesus! Trust in Jesus that if you get a hold of that chair and you begin to soak it with tears, that something is going to happen. Trust in Jesus that if you rip your tie off and get on your face, something is going to happen. Trust in Jesus that when you speak in tongues you pray things that you know not how to pray for If you came to this conference backslid, raise up your hands. Whether people know your backslid or not, And say, Jesus, forgive me. And as you say that, you're going to begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. Uh, If you're hooked on drugs and nobody knows, if you're hooked on alcohol and nobody knows, if you're hooked on pornography and nobody knows, lift up your hands and say, Jesus, forgive me, and begin to pray until you pray through. The Bible says to mortify the deeds of the flesh through the Spirit. When you get the Holy Ghost going in your life, it'll break the shackles where sin does abound. Grace does much more abound. You can pray it off of you right now. You can pray it off of you right now. I pray Missionary that has backslid family members. I pray for every missionary that weeps in their country for their family back home. I pray for every missionary that weeps for their parents uh, back in the states. Uh, I pray that God honor your efforts. Uh, I pray that God honor your labors. Uh, I pray that God move on your mother. I pray that God move on your father. I pray that God move on your brother. I pray that God move on your sister. I pray that God move on your children in the name of Jesus, in the name couple right here this young lady in the orange shirt and that young man in the green tie lift up your hands in the name of the Lord Jesus I pray that God answer your prayers I pray that God hear your petition in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus devil you're a liar I rebuke you in Jesus name right now <laughs> To the altar, but if you need God to touch your situation right now, lift your hands. If you see somebody with their hands in the air, reach over if it's appropriate, lay your hands on their shoulder and begin to invoke the name of Jesus hallelujah! In the name of Jesus, there's going to be notable miracles here tonight. In the name of Jesus. If you're standing next to somebody that needs the Holy Ghost, tell them to lift their hands and begin to shout hallelujah in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Own. There's people's faith and trust being repaired right now. If your trust is intact you can make it through anything. You can make it through anything if your trust is intact. Come on, keep pressing. The Holy Ghost is at work.